This is the motivation. Episode of Jujitettles Coast to Coast, the podcast that's about everything Jujitettles encounter on the daily, from training to everyday life and everything in between. I'm your host, Frank Garcia, currently a purple belt under Professor Victor Cervantes at Rivalry Jiu Jitsu in Fresno, California. And it is with great honor that today I introduce our very first Jiu Jitsu guest. We have uh, Coach Joe Bowserman of Shark Pit BJJ in Winchester, Virginia. Welcome to Jujitettles Coast to Coast. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm I'm honored. I feel like uh, it's a special privilege for me. Ah, no, coach, you're you're uh, don't get too excited and don't pump us up so much. Uh, <laughs> but but we are greatly greatly honored to have you guys on. Or to have you on. I'm sorry. Well, thank so, you. So uh, yeah, for sure. And we also have fellow Jujitettos cousin Ann and Alfonso joining us today. How you guys doing today, guys? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. Just got home from training, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Everybody from class is already pumped up, ready for this segment. So I'm, I'm ready for it. What about you, Alfonso? Oh, man, you're lucky you got to go train today. I got stuck at work. I didn't get to go, so I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, but I am excited to be here with, with you guys and our listeners out there. I'm excited to get to these questions, especially one um, that I think Ant is going to start us off with. I'm not going to spoil it, so back to you, Ant. All right, Coach. How you doing, Coach? I didn't get to see you tonight, great, but guys. I was uh, – I was figuring you were, uh, you were getting ready for this interview. I know how important it was to all of us. And you know that everybody from class is going to be listening to this. So, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, setting the, you're getting me nervous, dude. You're setting the bar way high. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the first question for uh, for tonight, um, what is your favorite martial arts movie and why? And why does, why does it uh, inspire you? Uh, I don't know that I have a favorite martial arts movie. I like so many. Uh, I always liked... Uh, Chuck Norris movies when I was younger. Lone Wolf McQuaid, yes. real yes. good one. Uh, okay. Lone Wolf McQuaid, right. yeah, when he drove the blazer up out of the dirt. I kind of, kind of got me going. But uh, I, uh, I like so many of the movies then, and I think less about them now that I've done more martial arts training over the years. But uh-huh. uh, I also don't get too carried away with realism either. I just enjoy the action. So yeah, okay. can't can't say that I have a specific favorite, but uh-huh. pretty much anything with good fighting, good action scenes, I love. That's what I'm talking about. I just like being entertained. Yeah, for sure. Now, question. So no, did you did any of those movies like uh, get you like started on your journey? How did your how did your jiu-jitsu travels begin? Well, it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved kung fu movies. I loved karate movies. I loved Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee and all those movies, but none of them really got me inspired to train or anything like that because uh, I just liked them. And me and my brother, we would beat up, beat up each other after the movies. But uh, I grew up thinking I was tough. I grew up thinking, you know, uh-huh. I didn't need to train. I was already tough, right? Uh-huh. But uh, kind of got into training accidentally. 
met a guy in town in Winchester that was desperately looking for training partners. And he had heard that I wrestled a little bit, which was an exaggeration because I'd wrestled a little bit in middle school, which is virtually the same as nothing. And uh, <laughs> I, I went to his house and uh, I rolled with him a little bit. I, I It was really cool. Never heard of jujitsu before. Didn't know you could use wrestling to fight. And uh, I took him to Richmond for a tournament the very next day. The first day I met him, we rolled a little bit. Next day I took him to Richmond for a tournament and kind of was hooked ever since then. It was it was uh, so intriguing to me. I loved it so much. Getting beat up that first day was a catalyst for me. that wow. changed my mind forever. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? When this happened? 45 and I got into this I was I guess I was early 20s 22 okay that was that was February 97 when I met that guy that was my first my first real introduction to jiu-jitsu and anything besides just a little wrestling that I did in middle school wow wow that's, that's awesome. so cool that is very cool coach very cool and that's pretty yeah, big was, uh, because I know from like the from classes you would think you would think Coach Joe has been wrestling for years. The stuff that he teaches, and you would think his background in wrestling was like far. Like you know, he like he wrestled in college. You would think. Well, I I did all my wrestling. I learned all my wrestling from uh, for MMA. I learned all my wrestling from a couple guys. I learned most of my wrestling from a guy that was an Olympic hopeful. Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably and, a pretty good way to start. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, one of our training partners years ago and four years uh his job in the army for three years was wrestler the oh. army cut him a check to be a wrestler and he got so oh, good wow. he went to the olympic training center trained to colorado springs and of course i met some other wrestlers along the way i met a lot of wrestlers uh one guy wrestled in pennsylvania for uh, all through college and was pretty pretty successful and i don't know if you know anything about wrestling but uh pennsylvania is kind of the place where they do it yeah so, yeah you guys uh i i want to say gosh i don't know the name, the name of this school but I used to train at Dethrone, and Dethrone uh, had an owner that used to fight in the UFC, Josh Koscheck. Koscheck was uh, was uh, Edinburgh. There you go. Is that where? Is that in Pennsylvania? Uh, I, I I'm not sure. Where I don't know. That's I that might be beyond my knowledge base. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that might be out in your guys' neck of the woods. Not not quite sure. I got to do a little bit of research on that. Alfonso, can you look into that? I will look into that right now. <laughs> Oh. Um, yeah, you guys have a history of of wrestlers over there. Yeah, we we train with some with uh our actually our sister school was in Pennsylvania and there are quite a few quite a few high level wrestlers up that way. The bad wrestlers in Pennsylvania are good wrestlers. <laughs> they uh they really pride themselves on it. It's kind of like football in Texas. They're they're pretty crazy about the wrestling in Pennsylvania. So, so, so wrestling's like a religion out over there. It is, and we're, we're we're in the northern tip of Virginia, so we're about an hour from Pennsylvania, or a little less. So mm-hmm. we get to uh, we get to reap the benefits of having that that good base of wrestling so close to us. Yeah, that's a, you get some good training partners. Yeah, like I say, one of one of the uh, one of the guys I trained with trained at the Olympic Training Center, and one of the guys I trained with where I learned most of my wrestling from was. He wrestled at UPJ, uh, Pittsburgh Johnstown in, in PA and was a really good wrestler. So those guys taught me well. And I also, I dissect technique from a technical aspect. Uh, you know, everything I try to tear apart so that I can learn it, figure, <laughs> figure out how to do it. So I just attack wrestling and takedowns just like I do jujitsu. Try to try to dissect the techniques and, and learn how they work. Yeah, so that sounds like you're still practicing um, or, or doing wrestling, right? How, how often do you find doing uh, jujitsu and wrestling? Or like you split it evenly or do you do more jujitsu, more wrestling on – you know, on average, um, we're probably 20, 25% takedown work. Uh, okay. 
I, I don't do any pure wrestling anymore, not for the sake of wrestling. I, for years, I ran wrestling camps because, well, because my boy was the wrestler and I wanted to, to coach him. And uh, so when I coached him, I just, I went to school, went to their school, coached them. And then I would run wrestling program at my gym on Saturday and Sunday for the kids nice. just to try to give them some extra work. Yeah. And of course, when I went in there, wrestled with them, I learned a lot as well. So I carried that over, but I also wanted to help them give them extra time on the mat. And uh, it's just something I've always believed in is do takedowns. It's something I've always believed in. Mm. Um, it, so many jiu-jitsu schools I've been to over the years. So I've been doing this, you know, going on 23 years now. And so many schools I've been to, no takedowns, no takedowns. Once yeah. in a while or every six months you learn a guard pull or something like that. <laughs> and that's, no, that's not what we want to do. So I, uh, I, at my gym, at our gym, we have takedowns virtually every day. And we have a, a takedown class for an hour Friday nights. And uh, I just encourage takedowns. I don't require them, but I encourage them. Yeah, that's like that's awesome, Coach. I, for a, I mean, you made a great point. I remember for a long time we would. I mean, every roll always starts on the knees, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. we we really, for the most part, would rarely go over takedowns. You know, uh, you know, we did a, a little. I want to say we probably even practiced more judo than we did wrestling. Uh, but l- we were luckily lucky enough that one out of for a time we got a a coach by the name of John Salter who came in who started off oh. as a college wrestler and uh, he's fighting in Bellator now so shout out to John Salter get that title John oh yeah uh, like, yeah he, he started uh, us wrestling and he eventually like it was just like you said you know there was one day a week dedicated to wrestling and specific takedowns and I remember it we would have this thing and I want to say we would call it like the shark pit or something where it's just like all right. It's you're going to get in there and we're going to pick a random partner and you're going to go for takedowns and the winner stays in. And then the next right. one goes in and you just, you just go, you know, just brings out the best in everybody, you know? And, yeah. And, like and, uh, King of the Hill. They yeah, call yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You just get pumped, you know, and you got to get, you get good fast. You know, that's, it's a great motivator. That's for sure. I also did, I had a couple years of judo that was basically private instruction because, uh, <laughs> Our gym at the time just had it set up schedule-wise. Judo class was always after jiu-jitsu, and so most people were smoked, and they would leave. <laughs> and uh, I always always kind of wanted to stay, you know, pay uh, to, to appreciation to the judo instructor. Say, hey, you're taking your time doing this for us. So I kind of always tried to stay. So I got about two years of nearly private judo lessons. So. Oh, man, that's, oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So I, that- I really respect wrestling. I really respect judo. I really respect the takedown game. And so much of it equates to uh, the groundwork. There's so many things that are similar. I always, I always heard coaches over the years say, uh, you know, forget your wrestling. And when a wrestler came in, you got to forget your wrestling. You got to learn jujitsu. You got to forget your wrestling. And I had a lot more success with wrestlers when I was a newer coach because basically I've been coaching since I started because there wasn't a lot around. So I always would think, I don't want you to forget your wrestling. We'll just adjust it and make it work for jujitsu. Mm, and yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I would I teach that. guys, you know, uh, a sweep is basically a takedown. The same things need to occur in a sweep as a takedown. It just happens off your butt. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to block high, you have to block low, you have to off balance, you have to help them in the opposite direction. You know, it, the same things that occur in a takedown occur in a sweep. So I would have more success with wrestlers because instead of telling them to forget what they know, I would just kind of help them guide what they know into a different from a different avenue, mm-hmm. and seem like it worked. Wow! Wow! So, okay. coach, um, which I mean, with all that being said, I mean, what exactly? What was the, the point in your in your life where you decided, you know, what you're going to move from competing? Because I know you've competed and everything, and you've been training yourself and everything. But what? At what point in your life did you change it to uh, now? You want to teach. Now you want to be 
you know, the coach of, of the school and the class? What made you go that way? Well, I always liked competing when I was younger. I really competed a lot from, from white, blue, and purple. Enjoyed that a lot. And, uh, you know, I got into this for MMA. That was the whole idea, right? The whole idea was MMA. And just so happens that I wasn't good at any of the other parts except for the grappling. Uh, I wasn't a good striker. I, I, I was always good at grappling. Um, it, it came naturally to me, especially when we had contact. You know, the takedown work. I'm a pretty good wrestler, but not great wrestler. And I'm really good on the ground because we're more connected. And so uh, I competed a lot. And then... You know, my last few fights for MMA, I was getting late 30s. And uh, one of my last fights, I tore my ACL in preparation. Oh, man. So when I came back, you know, I felt great. Everything (laughs) felt amazing. So I thought I would could do a couple more fights. I just wanted to I really wanted to train and try to get one pro fight before I quit fighting. And it just didn't work out. I I wasn't I was never quite good enough uh, after I tore the ACL and I'd aged out a little bit for the young athletic guys that were coming in. So I also always knew that I was never going to do anything great or tremendous myself, that my legacy in martial arts, my legacy in jujitsu was always going to be the people that I created rather than things that I did myself. Mm. So uh, I just got into to, to studying, learning, teaching, memory retention, and those things on top of my jujitsu technique uh, knowledge, uh, knowledge, trying to further that knowledge, trying to learn more about jujitsu technique. I also trying to learn about how to teach and how people mm. learn and how the mind works and how memory is created. And so those things intrigued me a lot. So I got into concept-based teaching and I've, I've really enjoyed seeing the progress. I always enjoyed having success in tournament, but I enjoyed more when somebody would come to me and say, coach, I just used that thing we did this week. I use it right there, you know, and that always felt really great. And so at 45 years old, I can still compete, but I mean, I can have 20 people competing under me as opposed to me doing one, one or two matches with, with another old guy. Yeah. So I I enjoyed that part. I enjoy, I enjoy the part where, where you show it to somebody and then they use it and have success with it. And I know that I'm not young enough to win anything big anymore. And I know there are people under me that can win some big things still. Okay. All right. And so, I mean, Oh, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to get into the, the next question, but go for it, man. Okay. No, I was just, um, you know, it, it's awesome that you love to teach. Um, can you share this, like, uh, besides, you know, that what you said about uh, having students come back and, and just say, like, I'm so excited about, you know, do, pulling off the technique you guys learned. Like, has there been a success story that you've been like, uh, this is exactly why I love teaching jujitsu. This is something that I like. I just want to keep doing, like. Can you, do you have a, like a story? I mean, I just want to hear more, more of that part. I can't think of anything specific, like an exact, this happened exactly this way, but I know of at least a dozen times we went over a move and this week we went over a move this week and we went a tournament, we went a tournament match with that move on Saturday. You know, it's like, it's it's almost accidental that we went over the thing that worked out perfectly in tournament that Saturday. Nice. And that feels really good. I uh, actually, I had one of my, uh, one, one of my fighters I was training with is getting ready to do a event. Uh, I forget where the event was now. Uh, Royal farms arena, I think pro fight. Mm. And he was fighting a black belt from uh, Checkmate. And so we had watched the guy's tape and the guy was really good at arm bars and he would even pull guard. The guy would even pull guard if he couldn't get the takedown. So we went over a few things, stacking the arm bar and, and getting the arm out. And my fighter used the exact arm bar stack to pull his arm out and knock the guy out in the oh, fight. Oh, <laughs> like, that's so cool. 
a week after we had drilled it, we had, we had been drilling it for three or four weeks, and a week after we stopped drilling was the fight. He used the stack, he got his out, and he knocked the knocked the fighter out. Was a was a black belt from Checkmat, so that felt really good. Awesome, oh, man, that's cool. Oh. That is so cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's gotta feel how about great. On the flip, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, how about I mean, not to say not to down anything, but how about on the flip side of that, Coach? You mean you right now? You just gave a perfect example of a student following their coach. You know, following the game plan and executing it perfectly and getting the result that you've been training for how about when someone has not listened or maybe and it doesn't even have to be in an mma in an mma match maybe like a a difficult student in a jiu-jitsu class how do you how do you handle that when i feel like you were just describing me frank i'm sorry i'm just just, (laughs) someone with green eyes (laughs) suffered a concussion when they were five and they've never changed their hairstyle since either (laughs) No, sorry, coach. That's an inside joke. Uh, but how, how would you, how do you handle difficult students? Well, difficult students can be, you can look at difficult students in many different ways, I guess. Difficult could be they act like a jerk or difficult could be uh, they're, they have trouble learning things. Mm. So do you mean, do you mean people that just act like a jerk or do you mean people well, that have difficulty learning or? We won't, what about we both? Say, we'll do the jerk yes, first. That's what I was going to say. How about someone who's just being a mad bully Yeah, and someone who maybe they don't know they're doing something wrong and they're just not following directions well or there or maybe they need more one-on-one or or yeah. how would you just how would you handle it maybe they don't know that they're, they're doing something wrong right well uh, this is this is the thing back in the day you know when we were younger we always thought if somebody comes in as a bully or 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 jerk we just we rough them up you know we we show them <laughs> that that's not the way to go but over the years, I've learned that's really not the right way to do it either. And I kind of make the analogy that um, you see you see parents, you know, you go out to a, a store, call it a Walmart because that's the best one to make fun of, right? <laughs> you see parents yelling at a little kid, right? The parents yelling at a little kid. And I always think you can't really yell at a kid for doing something that they didn't know they weren't supposed to do. Mm. So I know that uh, our, our students are adults and they're not, they're not, they're not kids, but I kind of look at that student instructor relationship as similar to a parent child relationship. Yeah. And, uh, you can't get mad at somebody for doing something they didn't know they weren't supposed to do. So I'm big on communication. If somebody's being a jerk, it's real possible they just didn't know they were being a jerk. I found that I've been pretty fortunate over the years. I've been really lucky, actually. In the 20 couple years I've been doing this, I've had maybe four or five people I had to ask leave wow. uh, oh, training. Wow. And, but I find that if you kind of look at it from the other guy's point of view, people very rarely actually set out and intend to be a jerk. They mm-hmm. just oftentimes don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know what's frowned upon they don't know about the etiquette and we just talk hey hey come here let's talk about this man uh you know you're roughing that person up you know you can go as hard as you want to with me but that hundred pound lady you need to treat a little differently than you treat me and i've had good good success just talking to people um if you tell like here's the same thing you do with a kid you tell them about three times and if they still keep that behavior up and now it's time for punishment right (laughs) you know you can't you can't punish somebody for doing something they don't know is against the rule or they, they shouldn't be doing I'm but, from I'm a I'm a teacher coach, so I come from education. We call that progressive discipline. Okay, makes step, sense. Step three, Mataleon. <laughs> if after oh. verbal warning and after extra crunches after practice, he didn't he or she didn't he didn't learn, then we go to step three, Mataleon. No, I'm right. Just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I got you. But it, it makes sense though. There there should be an escalation based on uh, how how it's handled, but. 
uh, I've been really fortunate. People are pretty receptive if you talk to them. They they understand. They get it. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to. I, I, okay, now I see what I'm doing. Let me correct this behavior. And I've had a lot of success with that. Like I say, in 20 couple years, I've had maybe four or five people that were uncorrectable. And I think they were legitimate mental issues, not just mm. your average jerk. I don't think, mm. I think in general, people aren't jerks. They're not. They don't intend to be. Yeah. If they do, it's through ignorance, not through attention. Right, right. right. And, right. and you know what else, Coach? I'm, I'm thinking this, that you, you sound like a great instructor, a great teacher. And you meant, you said communication. That is what, a, I mean, like I said, I come from education and it, a good teacher is a good communicator. Right. And so you've probably had so few issues like this because you're such a good communicator. So, I mean, that's, that's a great reflection of your teaching style. I just want to let you know. Well, I appreciate that. I definitely try to communicate. It's something I've strived to do for as long as I've been able to do this. I've strived to communicate. I, I don't know why. It just seems like that makes more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. You would think that, right? But it's, right. I, unfortunately, that's not the norm at, at every at every gym. So. I have to agree, um, you know, with that. In, in some of my experiences, I've had very little communication with my coaches, um, you know, and that's kind of a shame, too, because I felt like I, I wasn't progressing as well as I could have. And I was kind of I wasn't sure how to handle that. You know, like I, I wasn't sure I, w- I could approach a coach and be like, hey, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. Dude, um, I told right. you stop wearing cutoff jeans. <laughs> oh man, they were the coolest though. They no. were also the shortest. <laughs> they were the shortest. Um, but um, but definitely, you know, I have definitely intentionally tried to make myself approachable. Right. I've definitely tried to make myself not seem intimidating and not seem out of touch. I've tried to be. I tell the guys, I'm just, I'm just like you. I've just been doing it longer. I'm just here. We are on the mats together. Right. I'm not above you. We're not. I'm not something that you're not. I've just been doing it longer, and so. I do try to communicate really well. And I think I've been blessed with an ability to see things from the other person's point of view more often than most people can. Uh, so that certainly helps me. But, you know, and I also uh, seeing it from my own point of view. Also, there's a communication barrier sometimes with Brazilian people speaking a second language. That's definitely not their fault. It's just if they're speaking English as a second language, it's more difficult for them to get those thoughts across, I think, right. or for to understand mm-hmm. what's happening exactly in somebody else's language. True. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I think I don't think oftentimes I mean culturally we're different, right? Uh, right. you know, as a stereotype we'll say that pre people from Brazil, you know, the guys are more macho. Not a bad thing. I think it's just a thing that is real. But also we think we maybe think that, but maybe it's just this is your second language. You know, it's it's maybe you maybe you're not hearing exactly what I'm saying or you can't read the inflection in my voice or the the body language cues from because we're from a different culture, whatever. But I think sometimes that could be a, a, a hindrance to the communication where, you know, pretty much I mean, I speak Spanish, but pretty much um everybody I'm speaking is the same first language as me. And that really, really helps. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so I know you mentioned about like handling difficult students. What, what do you do with that student that comes in? How do you evaluate, you know, their skill level when they're transferring from one school to another, or maybe they just, this is their first class. Right. So if someone's transferring from another school, I've been pretty fortunate that really haven't had too many people come from another school that were not as good as what their rank represented. Uh, pretty much everybody, you know, most people that I've dealt with have been, you know, what rank they were wearing is what they were. But 
very early on back in the day, I figured out that your rank should represent your knowledge and your ability minus your physical attributes. So mm. I can't score a 60 year old man the same as a 20 year old man in rolling. I can't score or I can't evaluate, I mean, uh, a soccer mom or a uh, guy that just graduated college and wrestled all four years. You know, they, they aren't the same because of physical attributes. So it should be your knowledge and your ability minus those physical attributes. So I just watch people. I talk to people. I roll with them. I'm on the mats virtually every time that I'm in class. I'm rolling also. And I'm rolling with pretty much everybody. I don't I don't really keep myself isolated from anyone. So I make myself accessible. And I just try to feel where people are at. I can feel better technique sometimes from a small lady than from a big, strong guy, mm. even though he's given me a much harder time. I can feel the difference in technique. I've been doing it long enough to know where the technique is and where the physical attributes are. So I think that's more of a feel thing, but uh, mm. I just, I, I just have always tried to evaluate that way. And I'm, I'm kind of notorious for uh, being more slow to promote or than too quick because I feel like uh, I don't ever want anyone to look at one of my students and say, are you sure that guy's a blue belt? You know, I just, mm-hmm. I will always kind of been a little slow to promote, not sandbagging, not holding anybody back, but right. I never want to be there to be a question of whether my student is really, really that good. I, I want to say, if you get your purple belt, that you're a purple belt every day, even your worst day, not just on your best days, you're a purple belt. Right. Now, is right. there, is there, are there specific, um, you know, techniques or, or things that you're looking for as you're kind of evaluating some? Somebody, um, you know, depending on skill level, you know, what is it that you're kind of looking for? So the way that I typically look at is, so white belt is becoming familiar with all the techniques, right? Mm. Um, when someone is consistently sweeping and passing, most of the people they're rolling with, this is a blue belt level to me. That's positional dominance is starting to be blue belt. Mm. Uh, so sweeping and passing is a blue belt. Uh, consistent sweeping, consistent passing, uh, depending on who you're rolling with. But mm. consistent sweeping, consistent passing, again, minus your physical attributes, this is blue belt level. And then getting really good at the passing, sweeping, and starting to apply submission, getting really good with submission. Now you're purple belt. And per- from purple belt to black belt, in my opinion, your game doesn't change tremendously. It uh, Game changes a lot from white to blue. Game, again, changes a lot from blue to purple. From purple to brown, you just got better. And from brown to black, you just got better. You'll add some things. You adjust some things, but your game is pretty well formed by the time you get your purple belt, and then you're just making everything better as you get your next couple belts. That, awesome. That's my opinion. On Coach, I haven't added my Baron Bolo game yet. Does that mean it's not going to come? <laughs> it, it's it's real possible, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> I missed that. I missed that one. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Baron Bolos, nah, this has nothing to do with the next question, but. Uh, if, if you had a new student coming in, what would be a background that you think might benefit someone? Because I, I have a lot of friends who I think would be really good jujitsu practitioners, but for whatever reasons, they, they just never want to step onto the mats, you know? So is there someone or a specific type of background that people might be able to have more success in if they came in with that uh, with besides anything else? Maybe honestly, I think uh, I think it has more to do with what's in your mind than what you've done in the past as far as mm-hmm. other sports and things. Of course, wrestlers are always going to have more success uh, with body movement type things just because they've been moving their body and other bodies around for a long time. But um, there are also wrestlers who are hard-headed and don't do well in jiu-jitsu because they can't make that adjustment. Um, gymnasts, of course, there's some of the strongest people pound for pound on the planet. 
they're going to have success because they know how to manipulate their weight, move their body weight. People who are really flexible, yoga, uh, yogis, and uh, people who do those things. I mean, any kind of really fit person, active person is going to have more success than someone that isn't active or fit or has never done anything physical. But really, I think it's more to do with what's in your head, what's in your mind. What do you want to get from this? How much are you going to work? How hard are you going to try? How receptive to knowledge are you? How open-minded are you? Because sometimes jiu-jitsu is really tough and you just have to be open-minded and you just have to take your licks and you have to keep moving forward. And I think the reason people quit most often early on is it's very overwhelming. It's too Mm -hmm. overwhelming for a lot of people and they can't accept that this much, it it involves this much. It involves so much and it's hard to accept. It's like, man, I'll never get this. I give up. And I think people that, people that don't have that give up in them or people that can just accept, Oh, well, it's a lot, but I can, I'll get it just a little at a time. Had to eat an elephant, right? A bite of time right hey yeah i'm glad you said that coach because you know uh how you you brought up wrestlers and and you know but i'm thinking also uh is there a a because i remember one time there was a guy that came in and i've been doing this for a while i remember he gave me he was tough and he had just just came in tough kid and i was like dude that kid is tough did he wrestle i mean that was the first thing that came out of my mind was or out of my mouth was did that kid wrestle in college or something no and i'm like and eventually i found out he had like seven older brothers so he was probably (laughs) just getting the snot kicked out of him every day since day one and you know because of that he's just super strong-minded and just never quit Mm. right definitely like i say um, or he had one cousin who was a purple belt and he just kept picking on him (laughs) people gotta learn lessons yeah (laughs) well um like i've always looked at like this too wrestlers have the potential to be very very good but jujitsu is so much different than wrestling because a lot of people that wrestle are doing it because it's easily available to them. It's provided right there in school. You're in school anyway. All you have to do is stay after. It's not, and it's not the same uh, filter as jujitsu is. Jujitsu, you have to seek out a school. You have to intentionally go there. You have to pay money to be there. And it's it's much more difficult to do that than it is just to stay after school and wrestle. It's it's That's much more point, easily yeah. accessible to get the wrestling practice than it is to get the jujitsu practice because there are many, many more obstacles to go to jujitsu. So even though those people have the physical potential to be very, very good at it, that might not be the same thing as what's in their mind. I mean, their mind might not be the kind of person that can seek out this training, pay for it, sacrifice for it, do the things it takes to make it happen where rest there's nothing easy about wrestling it's one of the hardest sports on the planet but accessibility is greater for wrestling i mean i i wrestled a little middle school right that's all i wrestled but i could have wrestled all the way through high school and it would have cost me virtually nothing except you know hard work and effort but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been a, a great uh it wouldn't have been a great sacrifice i would have had to make to do it other than working hard uh, yeah uh cuz you got any other questions um all right. Yeah, I got one. Uh, all right, coach. So where do you see, uh, where do you see jujitsu uh, going next? Like what's the, the next step in the evolution of jujitsu? Well, there, I guess there've been rumors around about going to the Olympics or uh, things like Ooh. that. I, I, um, I don't know if that will happen, but that, I mean, that would be great for the sport. Uh, but I think, you know, of course the techniques, just like always, I, I've been around a long time. So you see waves and techniques like we joked about Barambola before and worm guard and 50, 50 and all these things. We have 
highs and lows. And that's always going to happen. I think the techniques are all, always going to evolve. I think they're going to continue to evolve. But as far as the sport itself, I don't picture it ever becoming a full mainstream watch it on TV sport uh, because I think some of the enjoyment that you get from watching jiu-jitsu is that you have to have an int- intimate knowledge of the techniques that you're watching. I don't think that's ever going to be something that it's going to have widespread mass appeal mm. for casual fans mm. that aren't members or players of jiu-jitsu. But I do believe uh, in time, and I think it's progressing this way as MMA becomes more popular and things, I do believe we are going to gain more casual fans. I think you're going to have more people that aren't jiu-jitsu players but still will watch jiu-jitsu. I just don't think mm. it's ever going to be like the people that watch NBA or, or football. Um, I don't think you're ever going to have that level of watching, but I think think we'll get more casual fans and, uh, you know, we'll keep chugging along like we do. It's like I say, I think eventually you're going to have more people watching that don't play jujitsu, but it's just, it's hard to really appreciate jujitsu from a spectator standpoint. And if you don't really know intimately what's going on in those mats, it's oftentimes looks boring if you don't know what's up. Mm, So I think we'll get more casual fans, but I don't think it's ever going to be super mainstream and that's about that's about as far as i've looked into it all right and what, what about like for the the guys that are really because you mentioned like you know what you put into it and stuff like that what stuff would you advise someone who is training in jiu-jitsu want to add to that wants to like like work is, is there a workout is there um some kind of regiment outside of the training aspect of doing jiu-jitsu that would make them better at jiu-jitsu well i think uh i mean i think there's a lot of things you can do but um of course cardiovascular endurance but strength training and flexibility flexibility is something that i think people have neglected oftentimes i've neglected mm-hmm. i certainly neglected flexibility but i think you can reduce injury by having more yeah. flexibility right and um so i think things such as yoga and and daily stretching and really working out and those things i think also help with recovery so i think hard jujitsu training uh, should be accompanied by uh, a concentrated effort to recover <laughs> and um you know strength training is always going to be good cardiovascular endurance you know uh runs and rows and, and things that get a, get us breathing harder always going to be good but uh, I'd say if, if you if you really want to work on something, recover and stretch and be more flexible, and I think you have less less potential for injury, so you'll be able to train more effectively and better. Mm, all right. right. So, and my I got one last question for you, Coach. Uh, so, I, what would you suggest? For someone who has a goal to beat a particular purple belt um, <laughs> that has continuously, uh, somehow, some way, beat him, uh, do you have any suggestions on how to eventually change that around? Get it good. So we have to take that purple belt. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till he's asleep. Yeah. We have to take that purple belt's game apart. And we have to uh, take the other student and add some Mexican supplements. And then, uh, I know where to go, coach. I know where to go. <laughs> about six six good months of, of heavy strength training and uh, and tearing that purple belts game apart, and we should have it figured out. There we All go. Right. No problem. I'm, totally I'm possible. Totally I'm possible. All right, I'll be waiting. In the meantime, <laughs> I'm going to ask Coach Joe. I got two more questions, Coach. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite jujitsu match? Uh, so a lot of times people will ask me about like, oh, you do that karate? <laughs> I'm like, it's not karate, man. It's jujitsu. <laughs> so I'll say, all right, I need you to YouTube these two matches and then talk to me. And one of the matches that I always talk about is uh, Rodolfo Vieira and Bouchesha in the 20... 20- 
uh, what was it? 2011 Absolutes. And I always point to 2004 Hodger Gracie versus uh, Ronaldo Jacare when Jacare got his arm practically ripped off uh, as good examples of just awesome matches to watch. Do you have any favorite matches that you like to watch or that you recommend for people to watch if they're not, if they don't have uh, uh, any background knowledge on jiu-jitsu? Well, there, there are a couple matches that, that I really enjoy. I, I, I don't know if I have a, a favorite. Um, so I have no heroes in sports. I have zero. I say I have one hero in all of sports and that's every sport on this planet. I have one hero and that's Marcelo Garcia. So yeah! you, can watch any, you can watch any of Marcelo's matches. Um, he, there's some highlight reels. There's a, there's one highlight reel that I used to watch. I think it was called war with God. It was uh, some metal music playing in the background. That was the name of the song. And it was basically 11 minutes of him guillotining and North South joking people. <laughs> and, uh, and um so all of his all of his highlights are pretty pretty amazing but um jeff glover and bill cooper that's being yeah. from the same team they ended up in the finals a few times and they had some exhibition matches those exhibition matches between jeff glover and bill cooper were tremendous because they were they were going hard after each other and not actually going for the finish. So they would go for the finish and let it go and keep going. Amazing matches. Uh, just just incredible to see. If you wanted to show someone jujitsu, the Jeff Glover Bill Cooper exhibition matches are pretty pretty incredible. Um, there's a a Jeff Glover where he's playing deep half guard. Uh, I think the video on YouTube is called David versus Goliath. Jeff Glover. He's uh, rolling with a I don't know maybe a 330 pound other black belt and he's using his deep half guard. He's destroying this guy. It's a pretty amazing match to watch if you want to see how good a small athletic guy can perform against a much larger mm. guy. And the guy he was going against was really good. He was a big guy and he was really good, but but Glover was he was just too much with his deep half guard. So I think those That's are awesome. some pretty great matches to watch. Technique conquers all. Yeah. All right, I have one last question, Coach. Who runs the Shark Pit BJJ Instagram page? Because that page is awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I cannot tell you how many times I'm sharing stuff from your guys' page with my buddies. Uh, my friends are big fans of it. Just shout out to You don't even have to tell us. I just, wanted, I just want to recognize the genius that is Shark Pit BJJ on Instagram. If you're not following them, follow them. You're going you're gonna to like what you see. <laughs> we have some we have some meme makers at the gym. Uh, oh, they're good. So, so they're the, good. So what happened was uh, at my last gym, I, I was I, I left the last gym and uh, I had kind of given up on the thought of teaching. And so a bunch of my students got together and said, hey, coach, we really need you, man. We, we, we want you to do this. So I said, look, I'm not doing it again. And they said, what if we started a school and we, we, we just let you teach for us? So I'm like, you know what? I'll do that if that's if that's what you guys want. You know, I'll do that for you. So. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the owners now, I'm, I'm not the owner of the gym anymore. So I, I told him I wasn't going to do it. So one of the owners, his wife does all the, uh, the memeing and things. Well, actually he does too. So, uh, Rochelle Potter is the one that makes most of the memes and everything. So we call her Rachel Porter and, uh, and Rachel Will Porter. Potter also Rachel Porter. Right. And, awesome. Uh, awesome job. Bill Porter, Bill Porter makes a bunch of the, uh, memes as well. Bill Porter, and, thank you. Yeah, and I throw a few in here, in here and there, but uh, it's mostly You guys, chef. Most you guys are good. You all are amazing. I, I, I told somebody the other day. I'm like, I don't know whose page is better, Shark Pit BJJ or, uh, gosh, who's the fighter from the UFC that I always talk about, Fonz? Oh, totally oh man, oh, I can't, can't think of it either. Caught me off I'll guard, man. 
there you go, coach. That's just how good your Instagram page is. I already forgot. <laughs> yeah. About yeah Derek Lewis. Forget it about was, it. It was Derek Lewis. I think your page might be better than Derek Lewis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that guy. That's yeah. saying a lot. Oh, wait. Those are big. That's that's a big. That's a high standard to hold he, up. You know what? But he doesn't really do do memes. He does more videos. So you guys yeah. are like a different category. So you guys are both good at the top of the top I, of the mountain. Well, I think this might be better because, you know, if you, if you really think about it, Derek Lewis, I'll just he shares videos and they just like captions it with, ah, he's all right. Oh, he's just retweeting. <laughs> yeah. We know we we know we've had success when people steal our memes and take the take the shark pit mark off of them. There you go. Oh, <laughs> successful. So we've had many of our memes. Many of our memes are shared, but but many have been stolen and, and re, hey. re-represented as somebody else's. So you Instagram thieves. I know if you give Hold on. No. I was gonna say, coach, if you want to call him out right now, we won't be mad at you. You can go ahead and do that. <laughs> nah, you know what? I don't even know. I, so, so I don't do Instagram or Twitter or any of those things. That's the that's the kids that run the gym. That's um, a good. You know what though? That that just means you guys are doing good stuff because people right. are copying you. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like a compliment. So yeah. I stay away from that stuff. I read the memes every day. I, I get a good laugh, and then I go in and teach them jujitsu. There you go. Nice. nice. Anything else you guys want to ask? Cuz Fonz, I'm good. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. I want to thank Coach Joe for joining us today. Anything you want to say before we head out today, Coach? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, check out Shark Pit BJJ on Instagram and uh, like our memes if you get a chance and bump <laughs> us up. And we love what we're doing. So we really appreciate the support. And thank you guys again. Thank you, Coach. Keep spreading that love. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Coach Joe, again for joining us. Remember to follow us on Instagram at c 2 c That's J-I-U-J-I-T-E-R-I-O-S-C-2-C to stay informed on upcoming episodes and announcements. And also don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform or head over to our website where you can catch up on all the episodes. Uh, You can find the link in our bio on Instagram. And if you like an episode, share it with somebody or tag a friend on Instagram for us. Give us a help us get some more followers and listeners. Cuz, anything you want to say before we cut out today? I just want to say thank you so much, Coach, for uh, doing this. I really appreciate you coming on, answering any questions, dealing with us. And uh, um, for everybody else that's listening, hey, you know what? I you got to check this out. I hope that everybody's looking at listening to this and loving it just as much as I am. So stay classy, San Diego. All right. <laughs> I just want to say thanks again, Coach Joe, for being with us today. It was awesome to hear from you and to learn so much. I hope our listeners out there did the same and enjoyed it. Uh, To everybody out there, uh, see you guys next time. Yeah. Uh, Thank you again, Coach Joe. Uh, Hopefully I can make my way out to your guys' school sometime and and, uh, chill with you guys on the mats. I'd love to spend some time with you guys out there. Uh, Until next time, Jujiteros, don't forget to register to vote. Take care. Be safe. Keep rolling and training if you can out there, and we hope to hear from you soon. Peace is the motivation.